good morning and welcome here. My name is Luke, and uh, if you're new here, I get to serve as the pastor here. A uh, few announcements I want to go over this morning with you, just kind of a few scheduling things, a few heads up. And, uh, and also today is slightly different. Today it's, it's fun. I mean, every Sunday is fun, but uh, just kind of to explain a little bit what's going on today. Uh, first off, we're, you know, we're coming up on, on the Easter season. And for Christians, Easter is, like, like that's kind of a big deal for us, which would be kind of a, a mild understatement. I mean, you know, it, Easter in society doesn't kind of get the, the glamour of like Christmas and New Year's. But, I mean, as Christians, we believe that on Easter, the gates of heaven were open to us. And, and a path was established that allowed us to be reconciled to God and spend eternity to Him, you know. And so, you know, Christmas is nice and, and New Year's is nice and Halloween's weird. But, I mean, Easter, like, that's really a, a, a big deal. So last year to, to celebrate Easter, we had a, a morning a sunrise service. We did breakfast together in the family center, just kind of a nice fellowship time. Uh, and then, and we, then we did a, a service. And in the week prior, we went around to the neighborhood and say, you know, we'd love for you to join us. Here's, here's some baking of some kind. Uh, we, and so we're going to do all that again this year. Uh, on Easter morning at 6.45, we're going to do a sunrise service. Uh, I plan to be there. I invite all of you to be there. It'll be in the, the uh, over by the park there. We'll get you uh, more specific directions. Uh, we're going to do uh, breakfast in the family center at 9 o'clock. Uh, you know, coffee will be served at 8.30 because some of you wake up at 4 anyhow. So, um, so we'll have coffee at, at 8.30, or I guess that'll be your second breakfast. I don't even know. And, uh, and then we'll do a, a church service at 10. And the week before, um, now worship team, I'm going to throw you off a little bit because we talked about something else. But on March 29, the week before, is when we're going to invite people uh, again to, to come join us. And so we'll, we'll have some good food, some good baking, and, uh, and we'll just knock on people's door. And who's ever home will say, we'd love to, to have you come and invite us. And now... I know sometimes, you know, there, there's kind of a thinking, well, that's kind of like, you know, we'll let the young people do it or, you know, the, you know it's kind of the young people sport or something like that. Uh, but I just want to encourage you that probably the most unintimidating person to knock on your door is grandma with fresh baking, right? Like if I show up and like, let's say I'm wearing like, you know, the dark pants and the white shirt like I wasn't paying attention to when I did last time and I knock on the door... Yeah, people are a little bit standoffish. But when grandma or grandpa shows up with something straight out of the oven, I like there's just there's nothing wrong with that. So um, would encourage all of you to to join for that. Um, also, on March 29, well, we're going to be celebrating some new church membership. We're going to be having a potluck for that. There's details in your bulletin. Um, also, we're going to be redoing the the pictorial directory. And uh, just kind of to, to give you a heads up on that, and so for a couple, for about three weekends, we're, uh, Joanna's going to set up with her camera, and she's going to be taking family photos, so wear your good clothes, do your hair, take a shower, that kind of thing. Um, we're going to start that after Easter. However, I recognize that some of you may have family in town on Easter that, that aren't normally here. If that's the case, contact uh, Joanne, and she'll arrange something with you, and, and we'll get a, a a photo taken. Um, so today we have a couple guest speakers, and uh, many of you know Heidi Schmidt. Uh, for those of you who don't, Heidi Schmidt actually grew up in this church, uh, and then 
did other things, but one of the things that she ended up doing uh, was that through MB Mission, she served in Peru, uh, doing missions work there for several years, and Henderson uh, MB Church supported her. Uh, She's back. She's moved back to Henderson, and so she is going to be sharing uh, a little bit on um, Peru. Then Brett and Laura are going to be sharing about Romania. They were in Romania for a week, visiting a friend there. And then we're going to hear from Heidi again, because Heidi just uh, recently visited Kenton and Kedron Miller. And, uh, and one of my goals in life is that everyone would know how to say Kedron's name properly, because it often gets mispronounced, Kenton and Kedron. So um, she recently visited Kenton and Kedron Miller. They're a young couple originally out of Iowa. Uh, they're now serving as missionaries, church planning in Berlin. Uh, they're uh, another young couple that we support in missions, and so... She was just there. She, she took a basket or a, a suitcase of gifts from you guys. Thank you. And um, so anyway, so she's going to share a little bit on that. So that's our, that's our day. Let me pray, and then we'll continue on with the service. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, another good day, the freedom to worship you. Lord, we have freedom in this country to worship you, Lord. But even more importantly, we have freedom just in the spiritual realm to worship you. Uh, Not all religions would claim such freedom, Lord, but uh, God, in your truth, in your grace, and in your mercy, um, you have welcomed us in, uh, commanded us to come in with praise and thanksgiving and celebration and uh, to come before your throne, Lord, and that is uh, remarkable just at so many levels, and so we're, we're so very thankful for that. So, Lord, this morning we want to do that. We want to worship you with uh, freedom, and we want to worship you um, just to the extent that, that you deserve. We love you, Lord. Amen. Please stand with us. Worship our great God.
Germany, Peru, Utah, but all of us have been called and all of us have been sent. Wherever you are, we are a sent people. I'm 
Help us to press deep into you, Lord. God, the only way that people can see you in us is to feel close to you. God, I just pray that we will seek you, that we will wait upon you, we will love you, we'll keep our eyes upon you, Jesus. As you fill us with more of yourself and your spirit, we can shine the hope that you bring us and the light into this dark world. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in the service, we like to take a few minutes for prayer. We'll do a little bit of silent prayer. I'll let you guys pray silently, and then I'll conclude things. Uh, sometimes we pray for others. Uh, sometimes we pray for uh, the missionaries. Uh, we normally have that on the board. Sometimes we pray for ourselves. Uh, sometimes we just sit and listen. And um, so uh, the, the one thing I, I would share just before we start is just that there are a couple of different kind of health concerns, health situations that have uh, come to my attention, um, but I haven't receive permission to directly share those from the pulpit, which is something I'm always very guarded about. Uh, I don't like to, to share health concerns unless the person has specifically uh, said it's okay to share. So I, yeah, just to know that there are a number of those in our congregation, and if you're aware of them, I would invite you to, to pray into those. And if not, um, that's okay. So let's have a bit of a silence. I'll let you guys pray, and then I'll conclude. Father, your grace and your mercies are new every day. And um, Lord, sometimes we just need to slow down and be quiet and reflect a little bit uh, to just see to see that and recognize how you have been present in our lives and how we're working and moving, Lord. And um, pray that you would teach us to be attentive to your spirit even when, when things feel like they're not going well or it's frustrating or life is frustrating or it's just been a rough day, Lord that you would teach us to calm and quiet our spirits and be attentive to your voice, that we would recognize um, the voice of our, of our maker, of our savior, of our Lord. Thank you that you desire relationship with us, not just servitude or, or a dominion over us, but that, um, that you desire sincere relationship with us. 
We love you and we worship you. Amen.
one or two books up here. I think I need a bigger podium. <laughs> Thank you, worship team. That was really good. That was uh, such a blessing to me just to hear that last song as um, we go and we tell it to the masses. Um, and so I guess that's what I'm here to do is to um, tell the masses today about um, what God um, has been doing in Peru and is doing in Peru. Um, I know I shared with you, I think in September it was, but that was like two weeks after I got off the plane. I don't even know what I shared. I feel like, yeah, I've shared a lot um, about Peru with different people. And so like trying to keep it all straight was like, what stories have I shared? What haven't I shared? So if you've heard some of these stories, um, just bear with me. Um, But I just keep thinking like, um, if we want to give God the glory, we have to share his stories. And that's, that's what it's about, is um, sharing the stories of what God um, is doing in our lives, um, in the lives of his people. And um, so, yeah, it's an honor for me just to be here before you um, and sharing with you what, um, yeah, God um, was doing in my life while I was in Peru and the different people that he brought alongside um, to join in this work, because it's not work that we do alone. Um, and so this first picture here is a picture of um, my home uh, that I lived in. And um, it's, not, it's not like here. Um, we had to go through three locks of doors to get into our house, and everything's gated, and you don't really have a yard or anything. Um, so this is where my friend um, and fellow missionary uh, teammate Stacy and I lived. And then we opened up our home um, for girls in the youth group to come and live with us. So teenage girls came and lived with us. We had at one point three girls. Um, living with us and just doing life together, but at the beginning it was just Stacy and I living there. Um, and one of the things that we um, prayed over our home was that our home would be a house of peace. Um, we lived in a um, kind of violent part of the city, um, like the next neighborhood over was more of like your red light district. And so we just prayed that our home would be a place where people come and enter and they find peace. Um, we invited a lot of youth over to our home that just came from really hard situations, um, families that came in, and we just wanted them to experience God's peace um, in that home. And so we would sit out um, every Sunday night, we committed to praying over our, our street. And so we would sit in our locked patio, you can go back to the first one, um, in our locked patio there, and we would just sit and we would watch people go by. And um, at the time, our road was all dirt in the city. So we would go and water our road because that's what we found out you do is you water your road so that the dust doesn't come in your home. So we would go water our our road and and just pray that um, God would protect us there. And and he did. Um, It's amazing to see how powerful prayer is um, because there would be robberies that would be taking place, like our neighbors would get robbed, but we wouldn't. And um, yeah, it it was really just affirming to me that God does hear our prayers. So I really got into journaling while I was there. As I was 
figuring out what I was going to share. I had at least like 10 journals like in my floor, on my floor, and I was like, what do, what do I share, and, and what stories, um, God, do you want me to share with your people? Um, and so I'm just going to read to you um, a journal entry about um, just experiencing God's presence and protection over our home, um, and just seeing that lived out, how he answered that prayer. Um, so this is August 26, 2012. God's spirit was just moving tonight. So every Sunday, Stacy and I pray together outside on our patio. Tonight, tonight we went out to pray, and, in, and Stacy and I decided to water the road. So she went out to stand in the road with the hose, and I turned it on. We both heard screaming, but I couldn't see anything. A lady had been robbed, and Stacy saw it. She was a relative of our neighbor, so she was coming back, running and screaming. Different family members came outside, and she and her friend uh, told us and her neighbors what had happened. She was crying and said she was robbed. It was all a bit uh, crazy, but I just sat there listening on the other side of the gate, praying. I could feel God's presence settle in, and his peace was right in the midst of the fear and even anger. We prayed over them and that they would come to know God. Um, and that her um, papers that were stolen would be returned and that a door would be open um, for us to talk with them. As all this was happening across the lot, there was a little girl flying a kite with her dad. She was so happy and didn't have a clue what had happened moments before. The chaos was all around her, but she didn't have a care. She just loved being out there with her dad flying a kite. I sat there watching it. It seemed so out of place with what was going on beside me. I knew God was speaking and was attentive as I watched, and I was attentive as I watched. Here's what I got. This girl was so focused on being in the presence of her father that she didn't even realize the chaos around her. She was at peace and had joy because her father was right there with her, even though the darkness was all around her. She was at rest and, the fa and her father was delighted with his daughter. Thank you, Father, for being with me in the darkness and that when I recognize your presence, it's like I don't even see um, the fear of their darkness that's all around. Thank you for being light. I can run in freedom like this girl running with her kite not held down by the worries of this life. She was able to release them all to her father, knowing he would carry them away, and she could just take delight in him and go fly a kite. Um, and so it was just uh, moments like that, that God would just keep showing Stacy and I that he was looking out for us, that he was protecting us. And we even had teams and, and different individuals that came and visited us. And as soon as they literally would like walk into our house, they would just stand there and they're like, wow, we can just really feel God's presence really heavy in this house. Um, and so that was an answer to prayer that, um, yeah, that God um, was listening to us and lots of other ways that he um, heard, our, um, heard our prayers. So one of the books that I came to really appreciate while I was in Peru and just gave me a lot of comfort was um, a devotional called Jesus Calling. So I want to uh, read this so you can see it a little bit or hear it. Approach each new day with me. With the desire to find me. Before you get out of bed, I have already been working to prepare the path um, that will get you through this day. There are hidden treasures strategically placed along the way. Some of the treasures are, are trials designed to, to shake you free from earth's shackles. Others are blessings that reveal my presence. Sunshine, flowers, birds, friendship, answered prayer. I have not abandoned this sin-wrecked world. I am still richly present in it. Search for deep treasures as you go through this day. You will find me along the way. And so that's what I um, was committed to doing along the way that I would find treasures, even in a really 
hard place that we lived. It was hot all the time. It was a desert that we lived in. And so it just got really tiring and exhausting to be in that type of environment all the time. And then just working with people who are broken and um, just trying to point them to Christ in, in the middle of really hard times. Um, and I'm so thankful that I had um, Stacy there with me. Um, you can show the next picture. Um, yeah, I think a lot of you got to meet Stacy before we left. And she has been such a, um, a blessing to me to get to do life with. Um, and um, so I just want to encourage you to keep praying for her. She's committed to being there for 10 years, and she just completed year one. Um, so she's got a ways to go. Um, but she just brought me so much joy, and I learned a lot from her as I saw how she just handled um, really hard circumstances that came her way. Actually, just a few days ago, I got word that um, one of our um, good friends who did a lot of cooking for different teams that came and visited us, and um, her name is Hilda, her son was killed in a motor motorcycle accident a few days ago. Um, he, was he wasn't wearing a helmet, and he got thrown and, and died instantly. And so uh, she was really close to me, his mom, um, and uh, just kind of made me feel a part of her family. And so um, Stacy's been walking with the youth as he was part of the youth group there. And um, they had um, a celebration service last night in the church um, with the youth. So the youth put it on in honor of this boy named Gustavo, who was 16. And um, Stacy told me this morning, she's like, you won't believe it. She was like, we had 14 youth come to know the Lord through that service. And I was like, man, like what an, I, sorry, I get really emotional thinking about it, but um, I was like, what an awesome God that we have that he uses horrible, tragic things that I don't even understand and how he can bring about life and that these kids will one day come and they will have eternal life and they will get to live forever and um, be free from pain of this world and it was just so encouraging for me to hear that last night that in the middle of a horrible situation that God works for his things for good um, sorry I was not planning on that um, I'll go through the next pictures um, so some of the things that I got to be a part of there was um, just living life with, with young girls um, there in the youth group and in, in the communities there. So these are my sisters. Um, a lot of times we just refer to everyone as hermana, which is sister. Um, so these are, these are my little sisters, and um, these are some of the girls in the youth group that got to live life with, did devotionals with them in the mornings, um, went on trips with them. Um, this far picture here on the left is um, of uh, me and Stacy going with Rosalie and a girl named Stephanie, and we went to go do a, a medical campaign um, in the jungle. And, um, and so that was life-giving for me, just to get to go with these girls and teach little kids about Jesus and do little stories and um, kids who had um, eye infections, give them eye drops. And, um, yeah, just be the light there um, in the jungle was a lot of fun for me to be a part of. Um, and then the other picture, can you go back, sorry, the girl on the right, her name's Cassandra. And um, that picture was really uh, like a mile marker in our relationship. Um, she was a very closed girl, like I knew she had a lot of stuff going on in her life. She grew up in a red light district, her dad's a drug dealer. And I just knew she had a lot of like heavy stuff that she's carrying, she's 19. And she was always really quiet, but she was really faithful in coming to church and would always bring her little um, siblings to church. 
And, um, but there's just something in me that's like, oh, I just really want to get to know her, and I want to get to know her story. And so we took um, a retreat um, with an action team that came um, last summer. And so we were out at this resort, and uh, her and I were just sitting by the pool, and she just started talking to me about everything that was going on in her life. And I just got to listen and just love on her, and um, that just kind of started a really neat friendship um, that we developed and uh, that I was really blessed to get to be a part of her life. I don't know who blessed each other more, but um, it's been fun to see that she has a desire to know the Lord and read his word. Um, she lives in our, well, she lives with Stacy now in our house, and so she gets up every morning, reads her Bible before she goes to work, and is involved in the church. And I was like, wow, what 19-year-old wants to do that? You know, despite their circumstances, they want to live differently from what their families are living. Um, so that was really encouraging to me. And then the next slide, those are my brothers. Um, that's Tony and Elvis. And um, they too came from really tough backgrounds. Uh, Tony grew up selling drugs and um, he was a part of a gang. And uh, he came to know Jesus. His teacher at school was a teacher at our church and he invited him to come to youth group. And so he came and little by little he, yeah, became um, interested in knowing the Lord, got baptized with Elvis. They were good friends. Um, and um, just to see, like, the transformation in his life was amazing. Like, uh, he was getting out of the gang life, and so that actually made it really dangerous. Like, once you're in a gang, you really can't get out, um, and then your life is at risk. So he actually had to come and, like, hang, it out or hang out at our house sometimes because there was people that were out looking for him to kill him. And so, again, our house was a place of refuge and peace um, for the youth who were, who were wanting to escape and be a part of a different type of life. And so he was one of our leaders in our youth group, and um, he would always be, like, our bodyguard. Like, whenever we had teams go into the market, he always, you know, made sure that they were looked out, you know, look, looked out for. And he always told us, okay, if you see this signal, that means, like, you're going to get robbed. And so we're like, okay, look out for this signal. And, and he always made sure we knew what, what uh, was going on around us. And uh, then Elvis was my little taxi driver. He had a motorcycle. And so he would, if I needed to run errands, then um, he would um, come and pick me up. And um, I would teach him English because he really wanted to know English. But he, he um, yeah, he wanted to learn it so that whenever the girls from the States would come and visit, like our teams, then he could speak English with the, with the gringas. So um, he was a fun little annoying brother to have, but uh, he, was a, he was a lot of fun. Always tried to keep him in line, um, which was really hard. But um, so those are, those are my brothers. And then you get to have families there um, that just love you. And so these are two families um, that were really special to me. This is the Atarama family on the right. And they invited me over for Christmas. Um, when Stacy had her accident, she had to come back um, to the States for a year. And so I got to spend Christmas with them, and um, they just loved me and invited me to, to be a part of their um, ministry that they had going on in Katakaos to pray for their, their neighborhood because they live in a really um, violent neighborhood. And so just to see them love on the people around them was just amazing to me that they open up their home every Saturday to 100 children to come and learn stories about Jesus. So when they leave, the, the walls are all marked up, and there's dirt everywhere, but they don't care. This is the only time that these kids get to come and hear about Jesus. And so they don't care what happens to their house, why those, those kids are going crazy in there. Um, and so, yeah, they just taught me a lot about what sacrificial love um, looks like. So in the next picture, um, some of the things I got to do was be a part of teaching kids club on Saturday morning. So I'd go out to a little community outside of the city, and um, we just had a little um, shack, basically, that we would meet under and 
um, different youth would come with me and I would share the stories and then we would sing songs and um, do a coloring sheet and then they would go back home. Um, but it just showed me um, how siblings there really look out for one another. A lot of these kids were in charge of taking care of their two, you know, even one-year-old siblings. So they would come, you know, carrying them and um, and they just had a really strong sense of family, of um, looking out for one another. And uh, so um, that was really um, impacting to me as I see, man, I, I didn't love my brother like that all the time. Or I know my brother didn't love me like that all the time, looking out for one another the way that they did. But, um, yeah, they have a deep love, and um, they'll fight for their siblings if someone is messing with them. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that um, God put on my heart while I was there was to have a youth conference. Um, and that was a God-sized dream because this was something that I never thought that I could ever do on my own. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, um, but God just kept prompting me. Heidi, just go for it. Um, grew up going to camps and youth conferences and just really saw God at work in those moments of, um, having speakers call us to be followers of Christ, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but what does that look like to, to be Christ-like throughout the week? And how do we live that out? And I wanted these youth, they don't have camps, they don't have opportunities for our um, MB churches to get together and have an opportunity like this for kids. And so I wanted that. And God just kept telling me, yep, go for it. And I will bring people alongside of you to do it. Um, and so I'm going to read a little article that was, um, they actually put this in the Christian Leader, I think last year, um, and just kind of tell you my process of how it kind of came about. So this is called the God-sized dream. At first, it was just an idea. Actually, it was a God-sized dream. I thought back to my days in high school in the States and how God used youth conferences to inspire me to take my relationship with him to the next level. I wanted the youth here in Peru to have the same opportunity. But there were so many obstacles. Peru is a country that faces instability on so many levels, including violence and poverty among families. There were good reasons why an MB church in Peru had never hosted a national youth conference. I, as well as other leaders in Peru, kept dreaming and started praying. There were also reasons to be optimistic. During the, fir during the past few years, MB churches in Peru have been increasing in size, and many youth have become active members. God was at work, and there was a growing desire among the youth to gather together. I had no idea how it would happen, but I was confident that God was in it. One by one, every obstacle was removed. As Stacy and I thought about um, a friend, Joanna Chapa, who had experience with organizing youth conferences in the States, I invited Joanna to start brainstorming with me about a gathering for the youth, uh, for the young people in Peru. Eventually, I invited her to come to Peru to help. Joanna seized the opportunity and began pulling together an action team with participants from Tabor College, um, Utah, and British Columbia. Joanna said, it felt like we were being summoned by God. He was going to do something special for the youth in Peru and for everyone else who was willing to be involved. We just needed to trust him and keep moving forward. As we began to make plans, there were problems. But we saw God's faithfulness come through time after time in ways that were completely out of our control. We needed a sound system, and God provided one miraculously. Some of the youth couldn't afford to come, and then people stepped forward to provide scholarships. One by one, every obstacle was removed. Um, our identity in Christ was the theme of the gathering. Speakers were invited to address topics such as who is Christ, being versus doing, and how does Christ see me? And how are we children of, living as children of light? On January 7th, Joanna arrived with an action team, a group of five young women, 
and they were eager and ready to lead worship at the event and to build relationships with the Peruvian youth. Finally, on the weekend of January 9th through 11th, 2004, the first ever National Youth Conference was held in Piura, Peru. More than 60 Mennonite Brethren youth and leaders gathered to seek God and encourage each other in their faith. I, knew, I came to know Jesus at this youth conference, said one of the young participants. Another testified to the love that they experienced. At those meetings, I felt loved by God. I've never felt that kind of love before. My past is full of sin, said one youth. My dad kicked me out of the house when I was eight years old and I was forced to live on the streets. I did all sorts of drugs and held people at gunpoint. But here at the conference, I learned that God has forgiven me of my past. As a child of God, I have an identity in him. I'm now walking with people who are helping me out of my former lifestyle. Please pray for me. Young lives were transformed at the conference. As they looked to the future, their hearts were set on Christ. At this event, I realized that I have a desire to follow Christ and be baptized. I want to live for him, said another. Many of the youth couldn't wait to return to their home churches to share what they had learned. Many were already talking about next year's conference. This was a dream come true and a sign of God's loving presence in Peru. As I stood among the youth and their leaders singing praises to God, tears streaming down my face because I just kept saying over and over, God, you did it. Um, and so it was just an amazing thing to see God put this dream in my heart and how it, did, it didn't just end with that. Um, Dean and Lord, I have to tell you something about your granddaughter, Allie. She was an incredible blessing to me there. And, um, well, I really didn't think I was going to get emotional over this, but I guess so. Um, thank you for your prayers for her because man, she was going for it. Um, I got to be a part of the team that was sent there um, that was for the youth um, conference, and so she was part of our um, worship band, and um, she went for it. She was willing to learn Spanish and fumble through it and love the Peruvians, love the people that I still love so much, and um, to get to mentor her this past year. She was at Tabor and then decided to go back to Peru. Um, and then be a part of the training that sent the team back was an incredible blessing to see that as she's gone back to Tabor now, she is discipling a young girl who doesn't know the Lord and um, is reading the Bible with her. And it just spurred like something like a fire in her that she just wanted to be different. And so I just wanted to share that with you that um, she's doing some amazing things. Yeah, so the youth conference um, was an amazing experience for Stacy and I to get to host teens. Um, we can go to the next um, slide. So one of the things that I loved doing while I was there was, uh, you didn't know this, but you did be up there, did you? Um, was um, hosting action teams. So um, Stacy and I, we wanted to invite as many people as we could to come and be a part of our um, short-term team. So we had them in um, July and January. Um, and this was such... Um, a joy for me to get to have young people come. For some reason, we kept getting girls, and the guys, of course, the Peruvian guys, thought that was awesome that we kept getting girls. Um, and they're like, yeah, keep bringing the girls. And um, <laughs> we tried. We tried to get the guys. I don't know what happened. But um, anyways, all the girls that we had that came on these trips um, just had an incredible desire to not just know God more there in Peru and then return back and do life the same. No, like the girls that came, like they really did want to live for Christ um, in the world that he has them, in school, in their job, um, 
whatever it was, um, they knew that this wasn't just a check off my list, I did a mission trip type of thing. Um, I, that, I know I'm a good person, so check that, I did a mission trip. No, like it changed their life, and it, it's amazing that I got to be a part of seeing them come back and, and check in with them from time to time, and um, yeah, just see their, their heart and their desire to know more of God. So I've got two young participants here, and you guys can come on up. Um, their names are, this is um, Becky and Catherine, um, and uh, Becky, uh, she went to Peru in January, and then Catherine just was there in, in, in July, sorry, July, and then Catherine was there um, here in January, um, and so I just wanted to um, have them share a little bit of their time in Peru and how they were changed when they came back, the things that God did in their hearts there in Peru, how are they living that out now um, in at Haver? Like Heidi said, my name is Becky, and I've actually been to Peru twice to this church in Piura, and both were just incredible, life-transforming opportunities for me. Um, the first time I went was about four years ago when I graduated high school, and I was the youngest on my team, and it was a whole new experience for me. And going, um, I was just really forced to be vulnerable with people and really open up. And I realized a lot of things about myself on that trip that I had always lived, just feeling really inadequate and unworthy. And um, so on that trip, I had never shared my testimony. I never really talked in front of people or led devotions. And that was something I was forced to do. And um, I just realized um, that God was a God who wanted to use people, even in their weaknesses. And I had never believed that before and never experienced that. And so um, that was the first time. And then I decided to go back three years after that this last summer. And this time I was a team leader. And so seeing how God had brought me in those three years from someone who felt so immature in my faith and so scared to even just talk to people and then seeing him be like, okay, now you're going to lead a team of five girls. And so that was mind blowing. And I definitely still felt inadequate at times and like I didn't know what to do. But um, yeah, one thing I've really learned is that if you just make yourself available and if you're willing that the Lord does want to use you and just thinking about how um, his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. That was a big thing I've learned. And so just seeing that um, it all comes in small steps, that's definitely something I've learned. Just take one day at a time, and big things will happen that you never thought could happen. Like four years ago, I never would have thought I could lead a team to Peru, but seeing that all those baby steps I took along the way and then looking back and seeing how far God has brought you, it's definitely um, been just a process of trusting God. So yeah, I went to Peru this last January, and it was my first missions experience on my own where I felt called. Um, I grew up as a missionary kid. Um, my family was in Europe for eight years, but I felt like that was just my parents, and I was just going along with them. So this was definitely a life-changing experience with actually feeling called by God to go. Um, while I was there, he healed me from a lot of bitterness I had had towards missions, um, yeah, because I just felt like it was just moving, and it wasn't him involved. But here I really saw that God was a part of missions and just saw a lot of his heart for his people all over the world. And, yeah, he just showed me how much bigger he is than any of our fears. Um, one of my greatest fears going in was just the communication barrier since I didn't know any Spanish. But he definitely 
showed me that he was bigger than that. And through translators or just hand gestures or just laughing together, we were able to build relationships with the youth there um, and a lot of them that Heidi has, has talked about already. And yeah, just being able to go deeper with them and hear their testimonies and see how God is not just like an American God, but he's a God all over the world and he's the same no matter where we go. And so, yeah, bringing that back to Tabor and wanting to um, just be alive and on fire for him like the youth were in Peru and wanting to share the gospel there as well as in Peru. So, Thanks, girls. You did a great job. Um, so I promise I am wrapping up. I know, Liz, we're like getting here in time and we haven't had Brett and Laura share, and so sorry. Um, I do have a video that I want you guys to see of um, one of my brothers there. He made a video before I um, I left. Um, and so I just want to share just so you get a little bit of idea of some of the things that I was a part of. So go ahead and um, you can get that, that video rolling there. never told before, a story written by the protagonist herself, famous among many, admired among others. So we were waiting for our destination. was Piura. hearts with joy and left us great lessons and memories of good times.
poquito más cercanos me los regaló a mí para Um, will be engraved in our in the mind of our hearts and lots of hearts. So yeah, that was um, my time in Peru. And so if any of you have any other questions or um, later on, or now that I live here, I guess I should make that clear. I now live here. Um, then I would love to share more with you about what God did in Peru. So I'm done now. I know I'm really bad. I went over. Um, so Brett and Laura, you guys are up next.
2010, uh, Heidi, Alyssa, and I were care workers at Grace Children's Home, uh, and we developed really deep relationships with each other as we served together. Um, we worked at the same house together, so it was rare if ever that we were uh, not working. Any pictures? Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is a nice picture of us, uh, Heidi, Alyssa, and I, and we worked together. We're, we're really great friends, um, but uh, I don't know that Brett really understood what he was getting into when he agreed to go to Romania with us because I don't think he ever got to experience us together since we worked in the same house. So he came anyways, but um, yeah, so we, we recently got back from visiting Alyssa in Romania um, and got to travel with Heidi as well. She's right. I certainly didn't expect that, didn't expect to share a missionary Sunday either years ago. So here we are. <laughs> Luke often shares statistics when he presents a message. And I'm just going to leave one statistic that is kind of rough. It says, or they say that in Romania, just 10% of newborns actually go home with their mother. And that's in the public hospitals. It might be different in private settings, but that was, that's kind of what they told us. So it's kind of a, a hot spot for orphanages. And parents maintain their rights to their children throughout life. So they can come take them whenever they want them and bring them back when they don't want them. So that's kind of, kind of hard to process. I'm going to share a quick verse that kind of relates to this. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Um, Alyssa is, is really living life in Romania on mission. Uh, she works with a variety of organizations, other missionaries, and also does some one-on-one -on -one mentoring. Um, she works with a small group that does kids club in a couple different orphanages and we got to go, uh, we couldn't always take pictures, um, but we, we, we were able to get a couple pictures from this orphanage. Um, this was like a state run orphanage and I don't know how many kids, 50, 50, at least 50 some kids. Um, and so we went and played and in the background, actually Brett's playing with, with one of the kids. Um, and I think there's a couple other pictures of. Heidi, this, I think this girl had a magnet to Heidi um, everywhere she went. She was by far the youngest kid, I think, that was there anyways. Um, but yeah, and then I got to play with some of the younger ones. This is like a ground level trampoline. And if you notice, there are quite a few springs missing. Um, and yes, children fell through there. <laughs> uh, just fish them out and keep going. It's not a big deal. Uh, but yeah, it was really fun uh, just to play with the kids. Um, <clears throat> and they were definitely starving for adult attention. Um, this is uh, another place that we went to visit, and it's a center for girls that have trans or that have aged out of the orphanage and don't really have anywhere to go. And so um, they cho they choose to live in a Christian environment here, um, and they gain skill um, with making crafts um, and cards, and then they sell them to help support um, their stay there. Um, and even while we were there, uh, we had uh, their chef made this really awesome fruit strudel for us. She does a lot of cooking lessons and teaches them how to use um, the things that they get from the garden, and she's a really awesome cook. Um, Alyssa does some one-on-one -on -one mentoring, 
and the gal at the end of the table there, her name is Valerie, and she came over and um, made a traditional Romanian meal for us. And she grew up in a home where she was adopted. I think she had like 13 or 14 other siblings that were also adopted in that home. Um, and so since Romania is closed to outside adoption, there are a few places that they adopt a large number of kids. And she grew up in one of those houses. So it was really fun just to get to meet Valerie. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, yes, let's see. We also went over and had a meal with Sue, uh, the gal here closest on the right. Um, and Sue has opened her home to um, young women who are either pregnant or parenting, um, young children. Uh, these gals used to be orphans, um, but as they become pregnant, they don't have anywhere to turn and get kicked out of state-run facilities. And so she's opened her home for them to come live with her um, and live in a Christian environment. And so uh, I got to see what she's up to. And we also attended a church plant or actually two different church plants. Um, one was in Aroma Village, and we weren't able to uh, take pictures there, but this one was in the city of Romania, um, or in the city of Oradia, sorry. Um, and it was just really fun just to see God at work, and uh, actually while we were there, I think two people accepted Christ. Um, and so it was just fun to see God at work. Um, real quick about the culture and the surroundings. As I mentioned before, it's kind of the society of lost children because of just the lack of accountability to be a parent. And it's also, it was formerly communist, so there's a lot of aftermath of the communist oppression. And most of the population lives in apartments. They live in what apartments look to be run down, very old, but they are livable. And the Romanian currency is worth about three times less than the U.S. dollar, so it's lower standard of living, but also it's not an impoverished nation by any means. And their primary religion is Orthodox, and that's about all that we have to say regarding Romania. So, again, you can always ask us questions. <laughs> Thank you for prayers and for your time. There's one last picture we got to show, and we were, oh, this is at the market, so you have to go visit. Um, but I think at the end, we were really sad to leave. Maybe. We we had to convince Brett real, real, real hard. A lot of pressure. You have to frown that we're leaving. He was ready to come home. <laughs> did a great job. Oh, so I promise I won't take as long on this on this time around. Um, so um, now we're going to switch over to another continent. Um, we're going to switch over to um, Europe and uh, got to go um, visit Kenton and Kedron Miller. So after Brett, Laura, and I were in Romania, then they went back to the States and then I went on um, to go visit them in Berlin and just to get, see what life was like and encourage them and we found out we had so many connections even though I had never met them prior. Um, it was kind of funny to be like, yeah, I'm going to visit people. I don't even never met them before but right away we knew some of the same people and um, so small world um, how that kind of
of turned out, but I'm going to show you a video first of just kind of introducing the neighborhood of where they live. I think they just sent this out on one of their, their newsletters, but for those of you who haven't gotten to see it, uh, Mira will be showing you where they live um, there in Berlin. With my mom and dad and baby Mateo. This is my neighborhood. Great job. <laughs> so cute. Did any of you understand what she was saying? That's pretty great. So she was our little um, German speaker. There'd be times I'd be playing with her and she'd be like, can you go get the schnula? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but it was pacifier. And and so she would just start like saying things to me and I didn't know what she was talking about. But um, Kenton and Kedron said that she actually speaks better German than, than they do and that she'll um, correct them if they don't have the right accent with it. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, you got your own teacher in the house. So, 
Um, but yeah, this is the Miller family. So Kenton and Kedron Miller and Mira and Mateo. And um, sorry, I'm looking at my notes here. So yeah, I got to hang out with them for, I think, five days I was there. We can keep going through the next pictures there. Um, so this is Berlin, Germany. This is me flying into Germany. It's kind of overcast, but just to see like the vastness of how big the city is. Um, and so these are just a few pictures in of different places that we went to. Um, just, yeah, it's just it's a huge city. Um, and what's interesting is the um, place that they live in, in Berlin, is actually called Little Turkey. Um, there's a lot of Turkish immigrants that have migrated there in the 70s. Um, and so um, they speak German, but then they also have, like, their native languages that they speak. But I think I had more Middle Eastern food than I actually had German food just because of the, the part of the city that, um, that we lived on. You can keep going through the pictures there. Um, and um, so it was, it was um, like, yeah, really interesting to see all the different types of cultures um, that are there. So this was like at a Turkish market right by their house that they can go and get fresh um, vegetables and fruit. Um, and then this was um, a shawarma. Um, it's like a pita wrap, um, and then that guy, he like shaves off, that's a big thing of meat, he just shaves off of that, um, whatever type of meat you want, and then you kind of eat it like, I guess a taco is what you could compare it to. So yeah, they eat a lot of Indian food, um, Turkish delight, baklava is a type of like desserts that, that we would eat a lot there. Um, and so it was fun to try a whole bunch of different types of food because I love food and I love trying new food. And I found that Germany is the place of like the love language of my stomach because um, <laughs> there's like so much bread there that I ate. I know I came back 10 pounds heavier because we ate so much bread and just like really good dessert. And so I was in heaven there um, with all the good food that we got to eat. Um, and so the neat thing is I just love how God brings people together. Um, these are the teammates of Kitten and Kedron. So this is um, Melissa and Ina. Melissa is the one that has a little baby. Um, and so they're, um, her and her husband are from Canada. And then Ina and Walter Reimer, they're actually from Germany. Um, but they went and did MTE training with me when I was um, training for Peru. We had other missionaries come and do all of our training together. So I actually got to do my missionary training with Walter and Ina, who came from Germany um, to um, Canada to do training. And so it was uh, amazing to get to see them again. And we always joke, hey, Heidi, like, if, you know, if you want to, you should come visit us in Germany when you're done with Peru. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Not really thinking it was going to happen, but it did. And so I got to see their girls and, and uh, play with them. So that was a lot of fun just to get to be with them and hear their hearts about where God is at work and what he's doing. Um, they don't have an established church planted yet. They're still just building relationships. The guys play a lot of street hockey with the kids, and then a lot of the wives, they get to know their neighbors by um, inviting them into their homes. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a little bit slow, but um, just trust that God's at work um, building those relationships and that one day there will be a church there. Um, so this is Life with Mira. Um, it's a, quite an adventure. She goes to kindergarten. Um, and so this is um, her in front of her um, school, and so we walked a lot of places. Everyone walks or rides bike, it seems, um, and then um, you can keep going through them there. Um, yeah, just her friends. She has lots of little friends that come over and play, um, and then she loves her brother, Mateo, 